In just one generation, the internet connected people across the globe. And now, slow news days are a thing of the past. It's a lot to keep track of, but WHIP has you covered with local, national, and international stories. Join us for a rational look at a complex world. This is Rational Radio on WHIP. Indeed, this is Rational Radio, and we do talk about global news and stuff like that. And it's Monday, and those are those are your obvious facts for the day. Starting it out strong. <laughs> uh, happy Monday, everybody. Um, if it's if Mondays are are happy days for you, I know they're a bit um, hair pulling out, stressful for me. But uh, ooh, this is a new. I, th- I think this is a new microphone in front of me right Ooh. now. I can't, I can't tell. It might just be the lighting in here that's different. It's the same model, <laughs> but like, I don't know. This has that like new plastic. Pride yourself. It. It just it's new. Yeah, it's probably just me being too too optimistic for my own good. Ah, <laughs> uh, so uh, so how's everybody doing this fine Monday e- evening? Technically, not really yet. <laughs> See, I know we talked about it last week that, like, Mondays just aren't my days. I, like, by the time Monday rolls around, no matter how good it's going to be, I just can't hype myself up for Monday. But last night, uh, Dan and I went to a 21 Pilots concert, and the the concert was so good, and then the tickets we bought were a lot better than we thought they were. Which It was just nice. It was a fun time. It got some stress out. Still hate Monday, but I'm still riding on that. That's good. I know the the uh, highlight of my day, and this just kind of goes to show where 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 I'm at in life. Um, the highlight of my day is totally work related. I finally installed the um, Adobe Audition 2019 update, and they added a filter called D Reverb, and all it does is take echo out of recordings and like echoey rooms and stuff like that. And let me tell you, <laughs> sounds helpful. Oh my goodness. That is like it so I I do a lot of work for um for small businesses and stuff like that and they just love to send me recordings that are recorded in like gymnasiums and stuff like that where it's just like awful 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 echo in the background. And getting rid of that echo to try to make everything they say like very easy to understand. That is a process that can take me hours sometimes. And this new feature in Adobe Audition does it in one step. And I was playing around with it right before we came on, and it is that freaking simple. And, like, I just, like, I I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I was sitting there. I was like, wow. I just, like... You were uh, you were a kid on Christmas. Oh yeah, uh, you were sitting there. Like, he couldn't stop laughing. Like he, I wanted him to cheer and jump out of a seat, and I'm sure that's how you felt. Oh, yeah, because I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I was getting ready later tonight because I have one of these. I just got one of these big jobs kind of lumped on me today, and I also have a paper to write tonight. Um, and that definitely cut down the amount of work I've got to do by like at least a half hour, probably an hour. Um, because now I can just hit a button and 
a lot of the work will be done for me, which is just magical. It's also magical because I almost bought a plugin that does the same thing <laughs> for like $300 a month or two ago. And I am so glad that I didn't. Um, because I'm at the point with my business where like, if I have to spend a couple hundred dollars on software, like I can justify it and write it off and all that stuff. But also I'm a college student and, uh, holy crap, $300. Tax is... write-offs don't just save you? They they do kind of save me, but also, like, taxes are a big question mark in my brain still. I'm still at that wonderful phase where I just save money and hope I have enough at the end of the year to pay my taxes, which is, which is not the way to do it, folks. But, you know, hey, we're going to learn more about how that works <laughs> uh, when we're out of college, I guess. Uh, yeah, so before we jump right into... Our our stories. Is there any updates from your life, Dan? Um, I'm pretty much right on board. I mean, I also, like I said, went to the concert yesterday. It was a lot of fun, great. Mm -hmm. Except many problems. We bought tickets on StubHub. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm I'm a big advocate of StubHub. I buy a lot of tickets there. Um, but when I bought tickets, they were like, "Oh, I bought them." So the show was Sunday. I bought the tickets Saturday, and they were like, "Okay, your tickets will be delivered by Sunday." And I was like, "Cool." So then Sunday morning rolls around and I don't have the tickets yet. And I'm like, ah, I'm not going to worry about it. They said I'll have them by Sunday. So then eventually like an hour or two like later, around like 2 o'clock, I get the tickets. So I'm like, cool. So I open it up and there's like four barcodes there. Meanwhile, I only bought two tickets. But I also can't see the seat numbers. Like I knew what section and row, but there's no seats. So this is just really weird. I'm just going to call StubHub. So I call them up and I'm like, hey, don't really understand what all this is. I just need to know my seat numbers. And they're like, oh, well, based off your thing, you're supposed to have seats 9 and 10. But we'll just, like, hold on, let me look up and see what attachments we sent you. So they look at me and they're like, oh, there are four tickets here. That must have been a seller error. So, like, let us try and contact the seller and see which two are yours. And so they, they keep me on the line. They try to call the seller, and I guess the seller doesn't answer. And so, like, all right, well, I guess since this is a seller, you can have just whatever two tickets you want. And they ramble off a bunch of things, like, what do you want? I'm like, I don't know, I'll, I'll take 10 and 11. Um, so they give me 10 and 11. They send me a separate email with those two seats in it. They're like, use these. Don't use the other barcodes. I'm like, cool. So we, we go to the, we go to the concert. We get in, no problem. The seats were a lot better than I expected. They're in this little club box, um, and I thought it was something else. But it was a really nice little, like, secluded area. It had a bar inside it, like, service and stuff. So it was great seats. But then, like, an hour plus after we get there, and right as the, the first opener is on, two other people show up, and the one person has the same seat as us. They're like, oh, we're, we're seats 9 and 10. And I'm like, well, that's funny because we're, we're seats 10 and 11. Um, so n nothing really ended up coming of it. They they went and had to see if, like, the people downstairs wanted to, like, change our seats. But, like, seat 12 next to us was mm -hmm. just open because originally they sent me 9, 10, 11, and 12. So we just bumped over to 11 and 12, and the other people took 9 and 10, and it wasn't actually an issue. Concert it's just, seating. like, why did... How did someone else manage to have the same ticket that we had? And we both got in. So it's like, how did we both get into the venue, get to the seat, and be like... Jeez. Oh, well, I, I'm glad everything worked out. I'm not much of a concert person, um, to be completely honest. And usually the seating shenanigans at, like, any event that goes on are just well well above my... They're, they're above, like, the amount of effort that I usually put into those kinds of things. Well, and the other thing, like, when the, because then the usher came down. It's like, oh, well, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. We both have the same ticket for the seat. And I, at that point, I was like, you know, it doesn't even matter. We'll just move down a seat. Like, it, it, this literally does not need to be a problem. <laughs> like, unless somebody with seat 12 shows up, this doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, And they're like, oh, no, you got to, like, go down there and get it started. So, and, like, 
Irish date, and the, it was a guy, a couple, I'm assuming, this guy and this girl. Mm-hmm. And they were our age. Like, they weren't, they were in the same age range. So the other guy and me had to, like, walk to customer service. And it was like, this is literally becoming a bigger deal than it <laughs> to be. And then I missed the end of the first opener, and it, mm-hmm. it was whatever. Well, hey, sounds like it all worked out in the end, <laughs> which is good to hear. I do know. So getting onto our topics, we do have some heavy stuff to talk about today. I'm going to save it for the next talk break just so that we don't dump a bunch of heavy stuff and then go in five minutes. Um, so let's start with, with good news. Maybe we should save the good news for the end, but <laughs> but I, I, I feel like it'll be a, like a, a palate cleanser in advance of the um, of the less great news that we've got to discuss later in the show. Um, Irish, you want to take away this one? Yeah, sure. So... We talked, we've talked quite a few times about like climate change and waste and all that kind of thing. So 250 organizations have now promised that 100% of their plastic packaging would be reused, recycled, or composed within seven years. And like massive companies are agreeing yeah. to do this. So like Coca-Cola, uh, L, L'Oreal, the makeup company, mm-hmm. uh, Barberry, H&M, they all agreed to participate in this sorry I, my mind blanked but <laughs> they're trying to do it by 2025 where like 100% of the plastic is mm-hmm. uh, eliminated this pledge comes from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation where they, they essentially said by 2050 we will have as much plastic in the ocean uh, as fish if not more so, so, we're, we're well on our way to that point yeah. right now Sprinting towards it. In yeah. fact. <laughs> I know we were talking before that uh, the ocean, like you cannot get a sample of the ocean without there being like minuscule plastic yeah. particles. They're called, in it. Um, they're called microplastics. It's something you run into. It's actually weird. We find less big plastic things in the ocean than we would expect. And for a while, scientists were kind of like, what, like, what's going on here? We know that this much plastic is going into the ocean and the garbage patch is this big. Uh, but it should actually be bigger. And we found that these plastics are just getting, I don't want to say broken down, because the problem with plastics is that they don't break down. They just can be, like, worn down, so to speak, into smaller and smaller pieces. But those pieces don't go anywhere. They get either eaten by fish and stuff like that. Um, We've even, I think it was last week, there was one of the first studies that identified microplastic-like traces in humans. Um, so this is stuff that gets into the food system, and we're starting to see it show up in people. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is important. And this is one of those things where I believe it started out in, like, plankton, and then fish eat the plankton, and then bigger fish eat that. And uh, there was a study where a whale um, beached, a beached whale, mm-hmm. and they essentially cut it open, kind of did an autopsy, and there was just loads of just garbage. It was, like, towels and shorts and plastic pieces and just gross because mammals like like whales they they eat by just especially the the really big ones i think it was a blue whale i know i don't have the story regarding that one in front of me so don't cite me on this um but blue whales in particular the way they eat is they just swim through very 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 large quantities of water and they just open their mouths and kind of eat whatever flies in I mean, same, but... And I mean, it's, it's, it's very relatable. Um, but eating in that way, I mean, when our oceans are full of litter, yeah, they eat a bunch of trash. And a lot of the trash that we produce is toxic. 
um, especially plastics. So, yeah, this is very solid. I'm glad to hear the the big names involved in this move because a big. I've talked a lot about sustainability on this show. We've talked a lot about sustainability yeah. on this show, um, and it's very important for individual people to do things. But we live in a world of larger institutions, larger organizations, um, big human and or political and or corporate machines. And those big groups tend to be the ones that contribute to most of these problems. I mean, think about how Morgan Dining Hall just recently changed over from using um, disposable plates and silverware to um, reusable ones. And like the difference that happens when a dining hall switches over versus when a person does is massive because these organizations just produce a lot of crap. Um, so seeing big names like Coca-Cola, H&M, um, L'Oreal, I'm not a... L'Oreal. L'Oreal. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's very, um, it's very encouraging to see these moves being made. I, oh, I've been pessimistic recently. I hope, I, I hope it's not too little too late. I think we're already at a point where we need to start doing things like this and finding ways to clean up the mess we've already made because yeah. we let it get too big. Um, but yeah, anything on the part of bigger organizations to kind of stem the bleeding with this plastic problem is very highly welcomed. Yeah. I was really surprised Coca-Cola was on now because I feel like Coca-Cola is going down the trend where they are about to be the biggest, uh, beverage company. Well, they are the biggest. Yeah, I was going to say, if they're not already, because mm-hmm. I know like Pepsi is kind of up there, but Coca-Cola nah, is Coca-Cola the biggest. Coca-Cola blows them all out say, of the water. Let's just face it. And the fact that they are participating, like kind of makes me a little more optimistic mm-hmm. um i'm still pessimistic about the world ending from same. climate change but same <laughs> i wish i felt different although there there was a show last week i think it was last monday where we ended on a really pessimistic note about climate change i do want to note we can still science our way out of this this is just one of those problems where the longer we wait to do it like it used to be that we could just stop doing the things that were bad and the world kind of correct itself. We've since passed the point of no return, and now we're in a position where, all right, we need to stop. We haven't even done that yet, and then we need to go back and fix things yeah. if it's ever going to get better. We can still we can still do that. We can science our way out of this one. The problem is it is already a massive, massive undertaking. We essentially need to find out how to control the climate of the entire planet, um, and there are ways to do that, but there are not a lot of good ways to do that. We need to figure out how to do that, and every year, every five years, every decade that we wait to do that, the problems get worse in the present, you know, short term, and the long-term solutions towards fixing it get more complex. But we have to go to our first <laughs> talk break, so stick around. We're discussing some fairly heavy stuff on the other side of this, but we do have some important news to discuss. So keep it locked. Y'all are listening to Rational Radio on WHIP. We're Philly's number one college radio station. From WHIP News, I'm Carly Cunningham. Today is Monday, October 29th, and this is your WHIP News Update. The most deadly United States attack on the Jewish community occurred over the weekend, CNN reported on Sunday. Accused gunman Robert Bowers entered the Tree of Life Synagogue in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh on Saturday morning and opened fire, killing 11 individuals. Bowers had a history of posting on the social media network Gab.com, where he expressed anti-Semitic comments and displayed his gun collection. Bowers is thought to have acted 
it alone, using an AR-15 rifle and three handguns. He faces 29 federal charges and could be met with capital punishment. Nine children have died as the result of an adenovirus outbreak at a New Jersey nursing home. CNN reported on Sunday that all of the deaths occurred within the last week, with the ninth occurring late Saturday night. Wanakei Center for Nursing and Rehabilitation in Haskell has a pediatric center where the flu-like virus broke out. Although these types of viruses are known to persist on medical equipment and surfaces despite the use of disinfectants, they are rarely known to cause death. Those with compromised immune systems, like the children at the center, may be at increased risk for contracting the virus. The center has been in instructed to not accept any new patients until the outbreak ends. From WHIP, I'm Carly Cunningham, and this has been your WHIP News Update. Welcome back to Rational Radio on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. And we've got some some heavy news to talk about. Just to kind of recap, before the break, we were talking about um, our a bunch of large corporations are making a pledge to eliminate plastic waste, or at the very least, unnecessary plastic waste, um, in their packaging and stuff like that, by 2025, which is absolutely necessary. If you haven't been following the kind of ecological uh, problems our society has right now, uh, we're well on our way to there being more plastic in the ocean than fish. And <laughs> newsflash... We eat fish, and so do a lot of the things that we eat. Um, kind of like anything else with our environment, if we don't take good care of it, eventually it makes our, its way up to us because we are at the top of the food chain. Darn it. So, uh, not that that's why it should matter to you, but like, if for no other reason than saving your own butt, um, that's that's good to hear. Fortunately, the one that we've got to talk about now, it's something I expect everybody listening to have heard about unless you lived under a rock. Um, I don't really, I can't really think of any other way to put this than it, there was a domestic uh, terrorist attack on Saturday. Uh, call it, calling it what it is. Um, a Pittsburgh synagogue was shot up. It's, I'm going to say allegedly by a dude um, because again, like he hasn't been formally, well, he has been charged at this point. Um, he hasn't been formally found guilty, and so that's a formality that we have to take, but the dude was on footage nationally coming in and doing this. It's a let's just get into it. Um Robert Bowers is accused of entering a synagogue in the Squirrel Hill neighborhood of Pittsburgh on Saturday, armed um with an assault style rifle and two pistols, shouted, among other things, all Jews must die, and open fire killing 11 people, including a 97-year-old Holocaust survivor. Um, he was taken alive after a shootout by Pittsburgh SWAT and law enforcement, um, in which three law enforcement members were were injured, um, one of which is still in critical condition, I believe. So those are the the basic details of this case. It's very obvious anti-Semitism. Um, the reason why we're talking more about it, and I, I want to bring that up because I feel like a lot of times something awful like this happens and the talking heads in the news and stuff like that just keep on talking and talking and talking about it and it doesn't do much good. Um, this, well, this guy was active on social media and we can kind of see what was going on before this and hopefully... Not draw conclusions from it, but 
talk about where it fits into the kind of toxic atmosphere we've got going on in our in our political dialogue right now in our politics in this country because we're just last week before this happened there were bombs sent to um folks on the left luckily none of them worked they apparently weren't made that well but they did contain live explosives um and like that was that was another case of domestic terrorism um these most recent examples including um this bowers dude involved far right extremists we have had somewhat similar incidents with folks on the far left there was a recent ricin scare um and then there was the shooting at the baseball game um with politicians on the right at it a while ago point is we're starting to see political violence in this country like we haven't seen in a while um Bauer's social media in particular was full of anti-Semitic um, far-right extremist content. Specifically, his posts were full of anti-Semitic memes and a lot of conspiracy theories about George Soros, who is a prominent liberal billionaire, uh, dude himself is a Holocaust survivor. And a lot of the conspiracy theories that are gaining a lot of traction, traction right now, a lot of the, anti, the more anti-Semitic ones, um, revolve around th- this dude. Now, like I, I don't even know where to where to begin with these. This so first of all, I, I do want to stress again: this is something that's not limited to the right wing. Though in recent weeks, it has become this kind of talk has become more mainstream on the right. And I want to point this out because within a day of this incident happening on Fox News, actually on uh, Lou Dobbs' nighttime talk show, dude had a guest on the show named Chris Farrell who was actually talking about the caravan forming in the South, uh, the migrant caravan. We talk about it on the crackdown this past weekend, if you're interested in learning more about it. Um, but the dude was talking about how it was funded and directed by the, quote, Soros-occupied State Department. Um, that, that's a conspiracy theory. Uh, there's no, that has no solid backing. Um, there are Jewish support organizations that do receive funding from Soros um, who work with migrants, but there's nothing to suggest that this is a I can't believe I'm talking about this seriously, but there's nothing to suggest that these migrant crises are being driven by a Jewish conspiracy. Um, this talk about a Soros occupied State Department or uh, occupied government is actually pushing a popular narrative in a lot of anti-Semitic um, conspiracy theories right now. The idea of the Again, I'm, I'm using the terminology from these conspiracies. I'm sorry if this is offensive to anybody, but the, quote, Zionist-occupied government conspiracy has been gaining some traction recently, um, which pushes the idea that government forces are controlled by, again, these very rich, particularly Jewish powers. Um, in reality, Soros is just a, a, a billionaire, dude who has a lot of money. And like a lot of other folks who have a lot of money, he's got a lot of sway um, in our government just through who he funds. It's not just him, though. He's got as much sway as any other bajillionaire in our government. Um, you can point to individuals like the Koch brothers for a similar idea of how really, really big money is involved in our government. That's just kind of the name of the game right now. Um, the reason why this matters, though, is that Bauer's last post on social media, specifically the social media site Gab, was about a Jewish nonprofit helping refugees. Um, right after he made this post, he committed the crimes that he did. So 
if listening to this, your first thought when I when I mentioned that we've seen extremism um, kind of across the political spectrum more recently on the right, um, if your thought about this is that oh, oh oh but it's but it's worse on the other side or oh but this example is worse or oh no it's not us it's them. Um, my point is that right now this stuff is happening and we're very very quick to just be like oh it's them, whereas. A lot of our politics right now are about painting the other side, whatever the other side is. If the other side for you is just people on the left or just people on the right, or maybe it's people of one particular religion, or maybe it's migrants in general, foreigners in general, or maybe it's it's one nationality or ethnicity of people. Whatever it is, there's this really weird tendency in our politics right now. I've unfortunately seen more of it on the right recently, at least on Facebook, um, but I've got a lot of friends on various extremes. Um, if we keep on painting groups like this as the, the, the worst they've got to offer, if we keep on going with these conspiratorial narratives, yeah, we're going to start seeing extreme stuff like this happen. I mean, think about it. If we've got, so a lot of these crimes get committed by people on the fringes, right? Like the bombs that were sent out were sent out by a dude who, if you've seen the van that he drove around in, dude was a bit of a nutter. Um, same with, I think, this guy and his, his the conspiracy theories that he subscribed to. When we have people like the president taking part in kind of pushing these conspiracy theories, because keep in mind, our president, Donald Trump, frequently makes posts on Twitter talking about Soros and how he's bought portions of our government. Paid protesters. Paid protesters talking about the radical left, how the left in this country is radical and extreme. And, like, that's what they want. They want stuff like this. When the president of the United States is making statements like these, if you are a genuine nutter, if you are a genuinely crazy person or someone who subscribes to these kinds of beliefs, when you start to see elements of this show up in the mainstream, that can be what it takes for you to be like, oh, no, this is real. Now I'm going to act on it, which is what I think. And again, this is, this is speculation on, on my part. It might be worth getting an effort in like um, psychology and kind of the, the more conspiratorial side of these things on to talk about this stuff. But like, God, this kind of dialogue is getting so normal in our politics where we're not talking about extreme cases where we're not talking about policy issues as individual things we're just trying to label groups of people as extreme or toxic or hateful or the enemy or attacking us and people are acting on those views and some of these people who are acting are doing really really awful things um in the case of last week again we had two cases of domestic terrorism and it's just, you know, and yeah, we talked about how on, on Fox News right after it happened, they were pushing this conspiracy. And our president frequently tweets very similar points. I think, and I, I don't think, I don't know if either of you will agree with me on this, mm. but I think we've reached a point where there is a, to a certain extent, a right side and a wrong side of this argument to be on. I I think as much as the whole, oh, you can be a good person and have different beliefs than I, you can. But there are some things where if you are spewing or if you are pushing certain agendas, maybe you're just not a good person. 
I wouldn't I, say. Uh, oh, oh, go ahead. I, I I just think we've reached a point where I think it is valid to be like, oh, we should see both sides. But sometimes, sometimes you just shouldn't be. Like I, I think there comes a day where it's like, no, you, you you shouldn't see both sides anymore. And as much as there are crazy people on both sides, sometimes I think there's more crazy people on one side than another. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure that individual people are more crazy on one side than another. But again, right now, especially on the right wing in this country, the people who are sharing a lot of these conspiracies and pushing a lot of this rhetoric are people in very, very high places. Um, again, like our president. It's like it, it, it stinks. If anybody's in a position to dial back that rhetoric, it's him. Um, but he he really hasn't been. I mean, it's only been a few days since this, so I don't know. Maybe this could be a wake-up call. I saw a really interesting post the other day, and I'm sure it's not the first time it's gone around, mm-hmm. but I, I saw something, and it was like, oh, you can't, you can't pick and choose what side of, in this case, it's President Trump that you agree with. And I'll have conversations with with friends of mine who are like, oh, well, you know, I'm not really worried about the rhetoric that's being pushed right now because I think Trump gets things done. And I I don't care what he says about this because in in his business standpoint, like this is what he does and I like this. And as much as that's great, yeah, you, you, you can't just isolate that one thing and be like, well, because he does this, this is okay. You, You have to, you have to live with both. The rhetoric has consequences and we're starting to experience them. And it's like, again, it's, it's, I, I really do want to stress that it's not, it's not just one group in this country right now. This rhetoric is popping up everywhere, but there is one group who's in power right now. There is one group that if there were a, another cheek to be turned, if there were a chance to show the world that we're better than this, I know whose court the ball is in right now. It's the GOP's. It's Donald Trump's. So, so yeah, it's we 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 have to go to our um, have to go to our next break. We can talk more about um this rhetoric on the other side. We've talked about it a lot on this show, but it's important because I mean I don't know about you all, but I've seen the memes that people share on Facebook. Um, I've seen, again, more of them coming from right-wing folks recently. I don't know why. I I saw some really weird ones about Soros right before this happened, being shared by, like, not super close family, but, like, people in my family that I thought were better than that. Um, posts that made claims that, like, he was a Nazi, which he wasn't. Again, like, he is a Holocaust survivor, um, and like, those are conspiracies that have not been verified by any valid source. But like, as this stuff makes it into the mainstream, we're yeah, just broad strokes making really nasty labels for groups of people that we can't be doing because it, it encourages nutty stuff like this. So we're going to talk about this more on the other side of this break. Um, please do keep it locked. You're listening to WHIP, specifically Rational Radio. We're Philly's number one college radio station. I'll leave you all with a quick sports update. Except, actually, I lied. I'm going to leave you all with a message from our sponsors quick. We'll be back after these messages. Welcome back to Rational Radio on WHIP. Um, on the other end of that break, we were just talking about some of the... Well, we were just talking about the dialogue right now going on in this country 
and how extreme a lot of it's gotten. Um, and specifically, we just kind of talked about how right now, well, right now some of the conspiracies that have been peddled are starting to get us really nasty results, like the shooting that happened in Pittsburgh um, and how it seems to be related to some of the more anti-Semitic conspiracies that have been floating around on uh, on social media. So we were going to talk about it a bunch more, but honestly, I think the point was made. Just don't don't contribute to sharing that crap. Um, if you're sharing stuff that paints large swaths of people as either evil or hateful or wanting to destroy you or something, whether it is um, the hateful and racist right or the radical and extreme left, or again, these it's unfortunate, but anti-Semitic conspiracies have been popping up again recently. If it's Jewish people or one individual like Soros, oh, it's, so many conspiracies are leveled against him, even though, again, our government is full of money from people like Soros, also people like the Koch brothers. Um, similarly, I've seen things about migrants and foreigners or, uh, yeah, the list goes on. If it labels a vague group of people or even even an individual, though in the case of an individual, you can look towards the evidence and see how strong the sources are citing. But if it labels a group of people as being evil or hateful or wanting to destroy you or something like that, share that crap carefully. Even if it seems like a harmless meme, even if it seems like something people are going to laugh at, because people take this stuff to heart. You might not. You might see through it. You might think it's funny. Um, but some people take this stuff to heart and some of those people act on this stuff. Um, and it's why some really radical stuff is coming back into politics in our society. Um, like the domestic terrorism that we've seen in the past week. So I think, uh, a comment I was thinking over the break is in the whole clim uh, clim political climate, it seems like everybody's more involved in fighting now than winning like and what i mean by that is a sense that people want to seek out like comments that are against the view almost so they can kind of apply like it's no longer about having a conversation so like i know i uh am uh, i guess subscribe works to now this page on facebook which is a very left uh, page like an extreme left page well anytime something happens they come out with videos and are like we need to blame the other side for this and comments under it are always so they're, they're just as extreme as that specific thing they're not physically extreme but they're like oh well this is dumb and this is why it's dumb or yeah I agree and this is why the other side is dumb and it's just a situation where we just we seek out fights instead of wanting to kind of find that compromise my question though and this goes toward what I was saying before is when does it become you're either for something or you're against it and maybe if you're against it that's that's not okay honestly so here's the thing. There are parts of me that think it already is like this, but as soon as we do that, we make an enemy out of half the country, and we can't afford to do that. But at what point do you do you just say you are wrong? Like, at what point is it not a debate of what's right and what's wrong as much as it is, well, this is right and this is wrong, and if you think this, it's wrong. Like, if this is an extreme argument, and maybe, like, obviously not everybody thinks this, but if I share an article about police brutality, and it's an instance where a police officer abuses his power. And somebody says, well, 
You know, if if you weren't breaking the law, you have nothing to worry about. At what point can I just say, well, no, you're just wrong? Right then and like, there. And then you cite your facts, you cite your where your points are coming from. There are a lot of cases of police brutality where they can very clearly be shown that the person was in the wrong and they weren't. In situations like these, I talk about nuance because these are a lot of the rhetoric that goes on right now, again, attacks broad groups. It tries to label broad groups as extreme or racist or hateful. And there are arguments to be made that these broad groups have those broad characteristics. But again, like if we don't address these things with nuance, the dialogue is kind of rising to meet that extreme perspective. People are filling the shoes that are being given to them. I mean, the reason, like I said, the reason why I think this is more dangerous on the right right now is plain and simple. Our three, our three branches of government are controlled right now by folks on the right. The president of the United States talks this way. He makes these kinds of statements. And no amount of talking about unity after a disaster is going to change the fact that just last week he was on his usual rants about the radical extreme left. Now, I put more weight on him because he is the president. He's the president. He's the chief executive. He is, especially for folks outside the U.S., he is the face of this country. And if he doesn't cut it out, if he behaves in this way, it's difficult to get anybody else to do anything else because the premier person who represents politics in this country is also playing into that crap. Now, but here's the thing is that having that conversation and having it well, you have to acknowledge the other areas where it exists. You have to, because otherwise it's going to be, well, what about this and what about that? And you're never going to get back to, well, it doesn't matter where it is. This dialogue is toxic everywhere. And then you can make the arguments again. I, again, said it multiple times. I think this is much more dangerous on the right right now because the right is in control. And the president of the United States plays into this just as much as any of the other politicians who do right now. I mean, he, he really, uh, most of the folks I've talked to who support him, they don't like the way he plays into this stuff. And and it's care. Look what happened in Brazil over the over the weekend. Like I I don't know if I fear cut up or I I think you've mentioned this somewhere, Tony. Who Brazil just like elected? Like they I mm-hmm. I don't have his name directly in front of me, but it's it's just this kind of stuff is carrying a, across across continents. Anything I I have a friend, an acquaintance, whatever, a classmate in a, in a tennis class I'm taking right now who's from Brazil. Um, and he mentioned to me the other day, like it was like Wednesday, and he was like, oh, I'm probably not going to be in class Friday or I'm pro- um, because the election results come out Thursday and I'm probably going to be like too depressed to get out of bed mm-hmm. because I, I know who's going to win that election. And I, if you look up the rhetoric of, of what this man says, he does not believe in, in basic human rights for a certain group of people. And that's that's the debate some people look at here in the United States where it's like the, there are some who believe the other side does not believe in basic human rights for certain people. And it's... Yeah, and because there are people who don't. And this is not just a United States problem. It's more what I'm, more what I'm getting at in, with that. I think a, a major problem I have like with online um, comments that I know uh, we're kind of talking about is the comment that typically follows is like, Oh, well, 
it's not my job to educate you and Google is free. And whether that's from either side, like, no, like, you need a response to a conversation. Like, is that like, add sources. It'd be like but this information. Like, it's is not... it my job to be able, is it my job to convince you that police brutality is not okay? Like, well, not in that sense, but I do feel like it's it's your job to kind of be like, no, like, to consider, continue the conversation. Because the minute you make a comment like that, the other person will get defensive and it'll turn into a different kind of conversation. And that's that'll only fuel the divide right now. And like Tony was saying, like the fact that this uh, the president is really kind of being like, oh, no, like the other side is just completely wrong. And they're coming up with these conspiracy theories and this, that and the other thing is very pro- problematic to that kind of conversation. Maybe this is me just reacting to the circumstances, but I, I think we're nearing the point where it's time for people to just get shamed for having certain beliefs. Like, I, I think we are nearing the point where it's like, listen, I don't need to convince you of that. And if enough people tell you what you're saying is absurd and like, that's just like, it's not worthy of a conversation. Not that I don't, I don't know. Cause then you have to be like, Oh, does that, that doesn't change somebody's mind. It just causes them to be silent about what they believe. Then you have the whole silent majority, like what, what have you. But it just at a certain point, I just think, when does it become like, I'm, when do you stop dignifying people with said conversation when it's this is no longer a matter of cherry versus apple pie? I think it really comes down to the context of the argument. Like, I don't think a lot of people are like, oh, well, uh, police brutality is okay. Rather, they come up with other stories. Not that I... Not Dancing that, around it doesn't mean you don't believe it. Here's yeah, the thing, but, but that's, there's a big difference. People will try to justify things to fit what they believe. And they will find individual cases where they believe that something doesn't reflect the exception and not the rule. I yes. were actually having this conversation last night. I said, "When do you, when you're having a conversation about something, when do you catch yourself citing the exception and not the rule?" Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, so. it's just relevant. We we were literally having this conversation like just last night about like you. Sometimes you have to whether you're having a conversation with someone else and they do it or whether you're having a conversation and you're doing it, you just have to be aware of that. Right. And I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it's a, a problem for both sides, as we've been saying. Yeah. Ugh. No, I, I agree. I think that's a solid analysis. I do know, like, it's not... I do know that a lot of the, a lot of the really awful stuff that people are, that, that's getting peddled right now, a lot of people on the right don't hold the beliefs about immigrants, the beliefs about foreigners and stuff like that. They get pushed forward. Um, they latch on to really violent individual stories. They latch on to um, really egregious individual cases and then make assumptions across the board about these things. And you can argue, um, in fact, I would argue that people do similar things on the left but again right now it's you know who's in in, who's in control and who's driving the narrative with legislation and stuff like that who is making the executive decisions who runs the executive branch of the government that's why the focus is where it is right now um if you talk to a lot of people though they don't want to see people suffer they don't want to see people hurt 
And if you get someone on the right, even farther on the right, in the room with someone on the left who's been personally hurt by something like this, who's been personally hurt by something like racism, who's had their windows broken or something like that, um, at least in my experience, they'll still be hard-pressed to find someone who's happy about that. And that's important because that there's a that means that there's a glimmer of hope there. People aren't happy to be seeing this. The difference between blatant racism and casual racism is, yeah. I think, what you're discussing there. Yeah, because here's the thing: is that if we treat everybody like blatant racists, eventually they will fill those shoes. But who, whose problem is that? If if you know, like it. I agree whose problem is it. The problem is that it is the state of things, and if we don't try to deal with it, it's only going to get worse. So, like, there's no easy answer. But if we just give up on having these dialogues and treating each other with respect, like, I know which way it's going to go. Nastiness gets more nastiness. And again, right now, um, the dude at the top is being pretty nasty, and so are all the folks below him, and people are responding to him with more nastiness, and uh, it's a big echo chamber that just keeps on amplifying itself. I don't know what the solution is. Everybody thinks that the other person is worse, and um, I'm saying that it doesn't matter who's worse. I've got my own opinions, but if we keep on doing it this way, we're both just going to keep on getting worse until uh, crazy crap becomes the norm. Until we all die. <laughs> yeah, until yeah, until nature makes a decision for us in like 20 years. On that wonderful topic, <laughs> we, we are out of time for today. Um, y'all have been listening to Rational Radio on WHIP. I believe Al Country comes after this, which will hopefully be able to get you back to some less sad thoughts through happy music. Or maybe not happy music. Country's pretty bluesy. But anyway, enjoy. I'm going to leave you off with a bit of Cage the Elephant. For those of you who are listening live, enjoy the rest of your Monday night, folks. And again, please don't share that extreme crap that labels broad swaths of people as XYZ. It's not helping anybody. Have a good one, y'all.